In early October, the American Psychological Association polled a number of Americans about the upcoming election, and, and they asked, so how is the election affecting your sense of well-being? And 68%, over two-thirds, said uh, the upcoming election is uh, creating significant stress in my life. Significant stress, two-thirds. So why is that? Well, it's because people want good government. We long for good government. And we want leaders who will rule wisely and justly and create order and peace and harmony and health in our society. And of course, we then become convinced that uh, some uh, politicians will be better than others and some parties will be better than others and then we can get stressed as we hope for the right outcome according to us. Well, here's the good news because here we are still in, in an undecided election as of today. And, but here's the good news. The good news is there is coming a day when we will have good government because there's coming a day when Jesus Christ will rule on earth. We will not just have good government, we will have perfect government, and we will have perfect government from then on. Not just four years, but for eternity. Christ ruling on earth. It will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and as a result, there will be order and peace and wisdom and justice and righteousness. The prophet Jeremiah foretells this glorious future. In the 23rd chapter of his book, in the 5th verse, we read this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. It's going to happen. It's backed by the promise of God. The days are coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. So, we have still an undecided election and I suspect there's still a lot of stress in the land. So, I think it's a very appropriate time for us to go there. Think about that coming day, that sure day. It's not Maybe it's certain, backed by the promise of God, the day that Christ will reign in, on earth in immediacy. And let's talk about, let's spend some time thinking about, talking about what life's going to be like for us then. And let's derive today some hope, some peace, and some joy from that better future that lies in front of us. We have a great and sure future in front of us, and it's okay to, to just sort of think about that sometimes and get excited about that and, and then let that good future bring about positive uh, sense of well-being today so that we can say, whatever our lot, it is well with our soul because God is with us and what lies ahead is glorious. All right, so you want to do that? Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to uh, Revelation chapter 21. This is our text for today, Revelation chapter 21. And 
God is giving the Apostle John a vision of the future, a vision of what's to come, the final state that we often refer to in shorthand as heaven. The What's it going to be like in heaven? And here's what it's going to be like if you are a Christian. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. I want to talk about four aspects of your future life if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And they are good. And I want, I want us to be filled with a sense of well-being because of what is sure to come for us in the future. And the first is this. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, your future life will be filled with newness. Filled with newness. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. The Apostle Peter tells us that this earth, the one we live on now, this one that is tainted by sin, will someday be burned up by fire. It will be destroyed. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth created. And we're going to dwell on something new. Now, what does the Apostle John mean when he says it's going to be new? Does he mean it's going to be the same model, just without any mileage, or does he mean it's going to be different? I think he means it's going to be very similar. It's an earth. There'll be lots that's familiar to us, but it's also going to be qualitatively different, qualitatively better. Here's an illustration. So a year ago, I bought a uh, 2004 Suzuki Iger 400cc 4x4 ATV from my buddy Dan when he moved to Ohio. And recently I've been fixing it up so that I will have a, a, a four-wheeler with a plow this winter for the ice rink, for my, uh, for my uh, driveway. I'm excited about it. And I'm, I'm sort of proud of myself because I recently repaired the front brakes, put on new pads, put on a new caliper. I tested the, back, the rear drum brake, tightened up the cables. I did have some significant and crucial help from Elijah Paulston. Thank you, Elijah. He uh, came in when I was stymied. But uh, we also put on a new winch with all the electrical, and I'm in the process of putting on the plow. Now, I just tell you that because that's what's happening in my life right now. And uh, I feel pretty manly doing it. But if I were to say to you, hey, I'm going to go buy a new four-wheeler. Now, you would be right to wonder, okay, is Mike going to go get another Suzuki Iger? And it's going to be the same 
model just it has, you know, it's fresh. It has no wear and tear. It has no mileage on it. Or is he going to go get like a different kind of a four-wheeler? Maybe a Yamaha a Raptor 700. Now, that's a sport, not a utility four-wheeler. And it's a four-wheeler, so it would be familiar uh, in many ways, but it would also be very different. 700 cc's, uh, it's just a sport thing for fun. So, I think what John is saying, the Apostle John, is he's saying it's, it's like going off and getting a, a Raptor 700. Yes, it's a four-wheeler. There's going to be a lot that is familiar to it is an earth, but it's also going to be different, qualitatively different, and as we're going to see, better. So in what way will the new earth be different from the current earth? Well, we're, we're told one critical way, probably the predominant uh, way that it is different uh, right here in this text. So look again, at, if you would, at verse 4. We read, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. And here it is. For the former things have passed away. So here's the critical difference. The old earth had the principle of sin at work in it. And that sin, as we know, death rode on the, on the coattails of sin. sin uh, the principle of sin entered the world. Death came with it. And uh, sin went out and, and death went out and corrupted the world in which we live. But all of that will be destroyed and it will not carry over into the new earth. The new earth will not include sin and any of sin's byproduct. And see, it is sin and the byproduct of sin that create mourning and pain and tears. There won't be anything bad in the new earth. Nothing to harm us. Nothing to grieve us. No, we won't even have personal feelings. We have never experienced that kind of an earth. When you pause and think about it, the principle of sin is at work everywhere around us. It's at work within us, tempting us to do wrong. We, we're not perfect. E even Christians, we still wrestle with sin and we still fail. And, and we do things that are, damage us and that damage other people and that grieve us and grieve the heart of God. And then there are people around us who sin and then there's sin baked into a whole world, even into the brokenness in nature. And it's all we can do is just imagine and it will just barely get us down the road in, in thinking about what that new earth is going to be like. It's going to be new. It's going to be without sin. It's going to be familiar, yes, in many ways. But it carries over none of the bad. Only the good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. So your future, if you're a Christian, number one, it's going to be full of newness. Number two, it's going to be full of holiness. It's going to be full of holiness. Look at verse two. 
And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. You know what makes the New Jerusalem so beautiful? Because that's what is meant by uh, adorned as a bride for her husband. The most beautiful thing that a man will ever see is his wife on her wedding day. That thrills us. It's gorgeous. It draws us in. That's the new Jerusalem. And what makes it so beautiful? It's holiness. It's holiness. So what is, what is holiness? Well, Jesus says, be holy as I am holy. It means have my values, have my character, do as I would do. Be, and so to be holy means that we, we act in harmony and, and value in, in harmony with and, and uh, think and do in harmony with the character of God. Now think about this city. This city is coming out of heaven. And what that means is that the city has learned its administration and its laws and its way of behaving in heaven. Jesus told us to pray. Pray that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, here's a city that is coming right out of heaven. It's done in, the, in this new Jerusalem just like it is in heaven. So heaven, it comes to earth. It, it's going to be a holy city. Uh, and what is, it means lots of things. One of the things it means is that there is no wickedness in it. And that means there can't be wicked people in it. In fact, we're told that a little later in the chapter, final verse in the chapter, nothing unclean will enter it ever, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, the only people allowed in this holy city are those who have been made holy by Jesus' death upon the cross and their personal repentance of sin and faith in Jesus. And so their sins have been taken away as far as the east is from the west, remembered no more. The righteousness of Christ is credited to their account. They're made holy. They're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms them to be holy people. And only those people will be in this new city. We've never experienced a city that was truly holy. That was without sin and the byproducts of sin. Never in human history has that happened. The very first city was founded by, do you know who founded the very first city? Genesis chapter 4 verse 17. It's Cain. Cain who killed his brother. Cain who couldn't make a sacrifice that pleased the Lord. Cain that was an, an unrighteous, ungodly, striving angry person. He founded the first city and unfortunately that has characterized the spirit of cities ever since. But then there's going to come a new city. A city of holiness. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be beautiful. A righteous city. And the byproduct of a holy city is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's what will characterize that city. You're going to want to live there. It's going to be a beautiful city. It's going to be the best city you've ever lived in. So your future 
if you're a Christian, is going, to, is going to be full of newness. It's going to be full of holiness. And it's going to be full, thirdly, of community. It's a holy city. It's a city. Your heavenly experience is, is not going to be you by yourself floating on a cloud, strumming a, a little harp. It's a communal existence. You're going to be part of a redeemed community. Uh, it's going to be very social. God's going to be there, and so will many, many, many other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's going to be community like we have never experienced it before. What's the best community you have ever experienced? I've had a lot of great community. I couldn't help but think about the time I spent in Russia as a missionary. I was right out of college, and so I'm living with some other young single guys who are sold out to the Lord and we're doing ministry together and uh, we would travel around far east Russia and often another young Russian brother in Christ would uh, come with me and I got to go from village to village preaching my one sermon in Russian and they would just love on me and and feed me fun Russian food and I would get to take all these uh, Russian uh, banyas, these saunas and be in these exotic places. And there was, although we couldn't always communicate perfectly together, there was just the spirit of Christ bonding us together. It was beautiful. And I'm sure you have a story of great community that brought you great joy. Guess what? It's only a foretaste of the kind of community we will have in heaven. In fact, the church is meant to be a foretaste of that kind of community. So that we want more of it and that the world can see it and say, hey, I want in. And so uh, it's going to be a place where we actually think about others' interests as much as our own. We put the needs of others on par with our own. It's going to be a place where we, we truly rejoice with each other in our successes. And we're willing to sacrifice uh, on behalf of other people where we're going to there's just going to be love and and honesty and transparency and acceptance. And it's the community that you've always wanted. You're going to have it. You're going to have it. And not just for a time. You're going to have it for the rest of your forever life. It's going to be awesome. The beautiful community. You know... One of the reasons we should prioritize the church is because that's the community that we're going to experience forever and ever. Those are the people we're going to be with forever. It's not going to be the Kiwanis Club or your baseball team, you know, or your, uh, your chess club. It's going to be the church that goes on and on. And so we should prioritize. Also... We have an opportunity to begin to practice now, empowered by the Holy Spirit and with the teachings of Jesus Christ, we can practice now that kind of beautiful community which will characterize eternity. So, number one, your future. If you're a Christian, it's going to be full of newness. It's going to be full of holiness. It's going to be full of community and best of all. It's going to be full of God. It's going to be full of God. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, 
The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they'll be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a personal relationship with God. Through your faith in Jesus Christ, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And you and I experience the presence of God. But not like this. This has not happened since before the fall. When God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. And that ended when sin entered the world. There is going to be a, a, an experience of God in eternity that we have not tasted. In fact, it is the greatest gift of heaven. Is our unfettered, continual access to God himself. And may God forgive me that sometimes I get, I find it easier to get excited about the no tears, the no pain, the no suffering, than I do about the fact that I'm going to be able to experience God in a deeper, richer way than ever have before. God truly is the greatest gift of heaven. Here's what Jonathan Edwards says about this. He says, we're going to experience other pleasures in heaven, including other people and, and many other pleasures in heaven. But what they really are is simply derivative experiences of God's goodness. So even as we enjoy others and the other pleasures of heaven, it's really helping us enjoy God even more. The redeemed... He writes, the redeemed will indeed enjoy other things, but that which they shall enjoy in the angels or in each other or in anything else whatsoever, that will yield them delight and happiness, and there will be lots of that in heaven. It will be what is seen of God in them. So even, even our enjoyment of the other things in heaven will really be an enjoyment of God himself. And Sam Storms reminds us correctly that we will never grow tired of God. He writes, we will constantly be more amazed with God, more in love with God, and thus even more relishing his presence and our relationship with him. Our experience of God will never reach its consummation. It'll deepen and develop, intensify and amplify, unfold and increase, broaden and bloom. God is infinite. And as our experience of him will never end. We will continue. It's the unpacking of, of the present that never ends. It's going to be awesome. And, and so why doesn't that thrill us as much as, as it should? I think it's because we have not yet tasted and seen enough. The more that we taste and see that the Lord is good. And how do we do that? We, through prayer, study of his word, through sharing about him with other people, uh, through putting his teachings into practice by faith and then seeing that he always comes through by walking by the Spirit and experiencing the fruit of, our, of the Spirit in our lives. The more that we taste and see that God is good, the, the more we have an appetite for God and the more heaven shines brightly in our minds and in our hearts. The greatest gift of heaven is God 
himself. And some saints have gone so far as to say, um, God, if you're not in heaven, I don't want to go there at all. Because where God is, that is heaven. So here we are in a, a time in which so many people are stressed. And, and so many people are finding it difficult to be at peace to have a sense of well-being, to be full of joy and hope. But we as Christians, uh, we have mighty reason for all of that. And it is, it's the future that is sure before us, that God has promised us, and he's backed with his word. And it's just, it's heaven. And it's a, a heaven full of newness, and holiness, and community, and God himself, and it goes on forever, and ever, and ever. And it's the real us. This life is just so small compared to our eternal existence. And I think it's appropriate for us to meditate on that great future, and then derive today some joy, and some hope, and some peace from what lies ahead. Seven quick, sort of, uh, I'm sorry, five quick takeaways. Number one, derive hope today from your good promise tomorrow. Number two, thank the Father for coming up with such a great plan. It is God the Father who has the plan. And then thank the Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, for uh, making that plan possible by laying down his life for us. And then thank the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit, for uh, transforming us and realizing uh, the reality of God's plan one by one. Number three, let's go ahead and uh, build our lives now uh, on the ethic of that future world. We know what it's going to be like. It's going to be holy. And so let's prepare ourselves now. Let's go ahead and build ourselves now. Uh, build our lives now upon that future ethic. Because that's our real life. Number four. Taste and see. Begin to develop your appetite for God. And because as you taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Begin to experience uh, a deeper relationship with him. Well you're really uh, entering more into heaven today. And then finally. You have a hope. That your neighbor needs to hear, your friends need to hear. And so we need to share with other people this glorious opportunity that God offers to all, this glorious future that God offers to all people through his son, Jesus Christ. There are people that you know who need to hear the gospel. We need to be courageous. And we need to love people enough to tell them about God's love. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the great plan that you have, the great future that you have in store for us. We thank you for that. We thank you for telling us about it so that we can cling to this sure, good future and, uh, and have hope and peace and joy today, knowing that that's coming. And Lord, would you help us? Give us the privilege of sharing the good news with other and others and leading them to faith in our Lord Jesus. 
your name we pray. Amen.